Welcome to the Vacation Effect Podcast, where we discuss time and lifestyle hacks for the busy entrepreneur, helping you grow your business even faster by working less and having a lot more fun. Now, here's your host, Denise Gosnell. Hey there, it's Denise Gosnell here, and welcome back to another episode of the Vacation Effect Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to have my good friend, Ree Perez, on the show to talk about branding hacks. Ree is a seasoned brand strategist, international speaker, author, and CEO of Branding for the People. As the founder of a leading brand agency that builds and manages brands for funded startups, high-growth entrepreneurs, Inc. 5000 fastest-growing companies, and expanding small to mid-sized businesses around the globe, Ree is a sought-out expert in the industry. Ree has worked in senior-level positions at top global branding firms, where he gained invaluable experience consulting with clients like Ariva, Abbott Nutrition, TD Ameritrade, and Xerox, to name just a few. Since starting his own firm in 2011, Ree's agency has successfully led branding engagements across 100 different industries and professions. Ree recently released a new book called Your Brand Should Be Gay Even If You Are Not which we're going to talk about in this episode, along with the details about what makes that book title such a great brand. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Ree. I'm really excited to talk to you. I'm excited to be here, Denise. How's it going? Oh, great. It's going well. I'm, you know, you, you and I have known each other now for what, like five, six years through Maverick 1000 yeah. that we've been a member of together. And I'm just really excited to go deeper with you on your ninja skills in the in the world of branding because you and I've never really talked shop when we've been traveling the world together. <laughs> yeah, me too. Looking yeah. forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, I'm excited for us to also get into your book here in a little bit as well. Ree's got a, a book that has been released that's a, got a really cool title. You guys are really going to love this. So um, I was hoping we could start with, I'd love to know a little bit about just a quick, quick background on how you got into branding and, you know, created branding for the people. Like, I love your, your company brand name, but how, what got you into branding? Like, what, you know, do you have some, you know, rags to riches story or some, you know, some <laughs> epiphany that hits you when you realize branding was important? I just love to know more about that because I just want to know myself. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I came into the field in the non-traditional way. Uh, I think some people, they probably go to school to, I don't know, they get their MBA and they want to work in branding um, or design school and they want to work in branding. I started out as a graphic design major at, at NYU and I, I learned very quickly on that I, I wasn't going to be a designer. I just had a really good design eye. So I was like, I don't need to study this. And then I ended up getting my degree in organizational behavior and communications at NYU. And at the time I also was getting recruited to work at some of these firms and I ended up being a a graphics and design recruiter. Uh, for many years, I was in sort of the staffing and recruitment industry. I was working, I would interview hundreds of graphic designers and art directors and creative directors and, and branders. And, um, and I would place them at some of the top agencies in New York and branding firms. So long story short, I'll fast forward to the part where it's like, well, I made a shift um, with my degree and my design eye and my uh, my interest in wanting to do something more, one of my clients ended up hiring me. And it was a boutique brand consulting firm in Tribeca, Manhattan. And, and um, he said, hey, can you head up this brand culture division? And so it was an interesting concept because it was the idea of, of not just brand strategy and positioning, but with my organizational behavior background, was like, how can we take a brand 
and bring it inside the culture of an organization. So I did that for several years with him and, and then ended up uh, following him and ended up working for one of the top global branding firms. So I sort of fell into it in a non-traditional way. But what kept getting me recruited at these firms was that I looked at branding differently. You know, for me, it was more than just a, a logo. Uh, that's one piece of it. You know, and I had good design eye. No, I wasn't a designer, but I was a strategist at heart. And I looked at how can brand influence the way people behave, not just inside the organization, but also um, externally. So, um, so then it led me to, you know, several years in that. And, and I got, I thought I was at the top of my career and sitting in front of the global HR director, wondering why was I getting passed up for a position? And uh, she, uh, you know, like I'm smart and I'm committed, I'm dedicated. And, and she said, and this is a global HR director, mind you. She said, I didn't have enough gray hair, which meant I didn't look old enough. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So it's probably the most illegal thing you could say in HR. Uh, So that's when I knew, I knew two things. Perception was everything. And that, um, that, that my career would be sort of halted at some point at this company. I needed to start my own. So that's what happened. I ended up uh, sort of leaving that. I, I, recruited, I got recruited to work some other firms, but um, my last post was in Dubai and thought I, that's where I should go. And anyway, through a series of events, I was like, well, you know what? Let me just start working with brands that, that were making some sort of impact, that were making a difference. I got tired of working with Fortune 500 companies and multinational gas and energy and oil and tech and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, let me work with brands that are making some sort of positive or economic impact. And that led me to entrepreneurs. And that led me to the concept of branding for the people, which is my agency name. Yeah, I've always liked that name, you know, branding for the people, it just has a great ring to it. And, you know, let's talk about that, because, you know, your own company name is a great example. You know, so re as you know, a lot of the listeners of this podcast are, you know, busy entrepreneurs, and they're interested in growing their business, but also having a better quality of life. So yeah. Why would a busy entrepreneur, why, why should branding matter to them? Like, I know some of them might be thinking, well, that's great, Denise, but I already have a company. Like, I don't need to worry about branding. I've already got it covered, or if they think they do. Like, what would you say to that when, when somebody tells you that? How do you politely answer that and give them some, something additional to think about? Why does it matter? Yeah. So a lot of it is predicated, uh, my whole purview around branding is predicated on the, a fundamental definition that the word brand is defined by a desired perception. And so therefore branding is the process of creating, shaping and influencing the desired perception that you want to own in people's minds. So following that, you don't actually own your brand. It resides in people's minds. And so I like to tell entrepreneurs and business owners that are busy. And it's like, Hey, listen, it's um, whether you realize it or not, people, your target audiences or your, you know, your prospects, they're forming a perception of you and that will predetermine whether or not they are willing to buy your products or services. And so that perception can make or break your own value proposition. So it's important to look at being more strategic and intentional about how do you want to be perceived. So I like to give the example of, of the Tiffany 18 karat gold earrings where a professor at school of Kellogg management asked a group of students, how much would they pay for these earrings? And they were, it was not branded. And they said something like $550. And then he asked two other 
audience sets. Another one, they said, hey, how much would you pay for the same earrings, except it was branded Tiffany, and it increased to something like $880. And then he asked a third group of students, how much would they pay for the same earrings, but it was branded Walmart, and it decreased to $85. And so so the point here is that, you know, the... your business, your company, your products, your services, uh, standing next to your competitors, even if you offer the same quality, maybe if it's even better quality, the perception, the brand that people have will dictate how much people are willing to spend for your products and services. Yeah, I love what you just said there. And, you know, in all my years wearing my legal hat, you know, in one of my other companies, you know, doing trademark law and whatnot, Um, I never heard what you just said articulated so well about whether you realize it or not, you don't even own the brand. The people own it in their minds. Of course, legally you own the brand. That's not what we're talking about. (laughs) But like what we're talking about, that's really powerful, Ree. Whether you realize it or not, you don't even own the brand. The people own it in their minds. So what you're talking about there is is perception, right? So, you know, what, what is it that you've seen then with entrepreneurs in terms of the biggest branding mistakes that they make in their business and then how can they correct them? What are some of the biggest ones you've seen? Yeah. So I like to, and the reason, the reason I started up with that sort of foundational definition is because uh, the first thing to shift in terms of like a mistake is trying to focus your brand on just your logo. And that's usually the first go-to people think that brand is your logo, right? And you're like, Oh, what should my logo look like? However, the, the the seek so mistake number one is they're building a brand in the wrong sequence so before you create a logo you should first define who is it that you're trying to create a brand to you know who's your target audience and and by knowing who you're targeting so tiffany is appealing using that example again tiffany is appealing to a different audience than walmart and so when you first start branding starts with who you're targeting That'll determine what your logo should look like, not just what you personally like, per se. That might be a factor of it, but uh, it's sort of what's the desired perception that you need to create in order to attract the right people that you want to attract. So that's one. It's building a brand in the wrong sequence by, by focusing on your logo first. Um, secondly is that uh, let's just use um, naming. That's, that's probably one of the top three questions that I get a lot is like, what should my brand be called? And a lot of times people build a brand name because for, for many different reasons. There's a little art and science to a name. But uh, when you think about it, uh, your brand, broadly speaking, your brand name should either be descriptive. I actually happen to have a descriptive company name, right? Branding for the people. It describes what I do. Um, or if you want to have something that's abstract, that's fine. You know, if you want to have a, you know, Altria, you know, kind of brand name where it's like a made up word, that's fine. But the number one mistake when it comes to naming is that uh, some brands make it really hard for people to remember. So the number one criteria for a name is memorability. It doesn't matter how great your name is. If people can't remember it, they can't find you and they can't recall you. So branding and specifically the name, it's all about memorability. And uh, you know, I don't know if you had another question, but if, uh, <laughs> I think the, the third thing I was gonna say is um, uh, looking at your brand so fragmentedly, 
you know, going back to the logos, you don't want to put all the responsibility of your brand on your logo or even your website for that matter. Your brand, i.e. your your perception manifests itself in three ways. Visually, which is, you know, your logos, your color, your photography and social media. Verbally, which is the language that you're using and the tone and um, yeah, and the, and the writing style. And then experiential, which is more of the behavior. So how does your brand behave? How does it interact with your customers? And you and I both know the phrase of no one really remembers what you do to them. They remember how you make them feel. So a brand is all about creating that experience uh, that makes people feel a certain way. So that's my last thing is just looking at your brand strategically and holistically. It's a multi, multi-sensory, multi-layered approach to creating perception. Yeah, that I really like that. Um, and did I write these down correctly? There were three different parts of um, the components that go into the aspects you look at in a brand, the visual, the yeah. language and the tone and the experiential aspects. Was visual yeah, so the, the first one or did I write yeah, that? Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, visual okay. is the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, verbal is the second one. So okay. that's the actual words. And then, uh, and then experiential. Gotcha. So in yeah. plain English, it's like how you look, what you say, and how you behave. Let's and that's a key that. point. I, yeah. <laughs> I, like to, I like to demystify branding into plain English language. So thanks for keeping me on, on, uh, on point there of not trying to confuse you with <laughs> language. Oh, that's okay. Look, say, and feel. How does your brand look, <laughs> say, and feel? So, so yeah. many people, and I've been guilty of this myself too, you know, we focus on what we look I and mean, how it looks or how, what we say, but not also how we look, say, and feel. And yeah. I'd love to talk more about feeling like, um, you know, experiential, like what, what's an example of like, for example, the vacation effect. So, you know, one of the challenges and we can just talk openly about this to help people. So one of the, like, I love the brand for many reasons. And then there are a couple of reasons why like people have been confused because like some people think I'm a vacation company, but no, it's Mm. like, I'm a lifestyle company for entrepreneurs. So mine is not totally, um, it's not like a made up like word where you combine two words together. Like one of my old companies in a venom, you know, nobody knew what that meant, you know? Um, but so the vacation effect I've had to like build the brand and the meaning behind it. So, you know, what's an example of experiential with that? And then we'll talk more about the naming part too, but yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. So the, uh, every business is different, you know, obviously, you know, some businesses are more e-commerce, they're more online and some businesses, uh, uh, might be in more in person or might be more retail. So when I think about brand experience, it will, it will vary depending on, you know, if you're listening in, like depending on what type of business you have. Mm -hmm. So what is the experience if you're retail and you have an in-person, uh, location, what's the experience when, when people come in? How are they greeted? How are they, uh, you know, what, what does the environment look like? What are, what are the signs that are up on the wall? What's the messaging on the wall? Um, but also, uh, if you're all online, I was just shopping for a, a bed platform the other week. So I'm just using this as like, you know, totally, I didn't use this as an example for this interview, but it just, just comes up. But uh, I was looking for a bed platform and uh, right now, I, uh, I'm not going into any stores, right? I'm not mm-hmm. walking in any stores. I'm, and so I found this spot. 
this company online. I think they're in Detroit. Their branding really pulled me in because their messaging. I started shopping around. Obviously, they probably pixeled my uh, my website <laughs> or my, my pixeled my computer. But they sent me an email saying, "Hey, I noticed you were looking around. Did you forget something?" And and so it was kind of like they were talking to me. And they were making me feel heard. They were making me feel like, hey, you know, it's like, is there anything you need? Not trying to sell me, but just trying to engage with me uh, in a very conversational tone, somewhat playful tone. And um, I'm more than likely going to, you know, take what's in my shopping cart and buy from them. So the, the point of, is, is that how you, how you treat people, even when, you're, when they're a prospect, uh, so for the vacation effect, a lot of it is going to be, you know, how you're, how you specifically interact with, uh, with your guests, right? Mm-hmm. People get a sense of your brand by the people you bring on, uh, the conversations you have, the types of questions you ask, uh, you know, just who you are as a person. And then how is that delivery method, right? Uh, are they getting, you know, uh, you know, well thought out emails? Are they getting, uh, you know, some, some podcasts, uh, you know, or some people are very, very spammy in their emails or clickbaity or, you know, it's, there's a, there's a whole range of things. Oh, here's one other thing actually it just came up to mind is, you know, certain podcasts might be a bit more, you know, vulgar in nature where it's an F-bomb every two seconds and some might be a little bit more buttoned up and mm-hmm. conservative and, and professional. There's no right or wrong. It's just how you display your persona should come through in every aspect and when you're talking live or online with your audiences. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, and the reason why I went there instead of having you explain, you know, visual, you know, the look and the verbal, the feel um, is because I feel like a lot of people pay attention to the visual and the verbal and not enough to the experiential. So, Thank yeah. you for, you know, jumping in and kind of skipping two of the three steps and telling me about the third one. Because <laughs> um, I think I think it's logical to most people. Would you and, and do you find that that's an area when you work with your customers that experiential is the hardest one? to? It's really- always the hardest. Okay. Yeah, because we don't think we don't always think uh, we cover the basis, right? You're like, all right, check, you know, photograph here and copy here. You know, sometimes it looks uh, sometimes you it you benefit by looking to other brands that are very high touch with their customer experience. You know, some of the examples I like to give, you know, Nordstrom, they're known for their signature customer experience where when you make the purchase, they take the bag and they don't just hand it to you over the counter. They walk around the, uh, the counter to hand you your bag. It's subtle, but it's like it becomes part of their brand experience. I remember uh, I was checking into um, the Andaz Hotel in San Diego and um, Andaz Hotel is sort of like their response to like the W Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there, because I, I asked uh, one of their employees, I was like, what does your brand, what does your brand stand for? Like, what is it about? And their brand was all about breaking down barriers. I was like, huh. And she goes, so for example, when you come and check in, um, the, the computer screen the, or the person that's checking you in is side by side with you 
checking you in on the computer screen as opposed to you checking at a desk and you're, you know, you're facing another person. So it's sort of like there's no barrier between you and me. And these are subtle things that, that register in people's minds in the subconscious. They may or may not say, oh, wow, that's, that's really different, or they might, you know, but these are all things that add up to the overall experience. Gotcha. So it's things like, you know, some hotels that give you the cookies on check-in or yes. you know, the four seasons that, you know, they'll give you the drink and the lay if yeah. you're in Hawaii and the welcome amenity in yeah. your room. It's like, how did it make you feel? Each thing might be subtle, but like you were saying, it adds up when you do them together. So when you're helping a client evaluate uh, the experiential aspects, like let's say you're doing a review of their website. Do you have any tips for how can the average entrepreneur really start to dig into how does this make me feel? Because we're so close to our own stuff. Like we, we don't really, it's hard for us to understand how it makes a, somebody who's not us feel. Like, do you have any tips on how to, how to understand that? Is it surveys? Is it like, how do you go about it? Like really digging into how does it come across? Yeah. So I'm obviously going to come at it from the branding perspective. And then there's you know, the digital marketers perspective, right? That mm -hmm. probably has like heat maps and, you know, all different things on how people are actually interacting with your website. And you can extrapolate from there uh, how the experience is landing with the people who are visiting the site. So there's a whole science to that for sure. Uh, from my perspective, uh, I still go back to the old school. You had, You hit the nail on the head is, is uh, surveying or having some qualitative interviews uh, with either your clients or prospects, let's say a prospect, if, you're, if you have the kind of company where someone actually schedules a call with someone on your team, but just flat out asking them um, uh, their experience on the website. Now, that's kind of a broad thing, so I actually want to give a very specific and uh, tactical, but also very useful way to gather data that is actionable. So rather than just asking, I mean, you can ask questions that are open-ended, like, hey, how does my website make you feel? And then just shut up and listen and just capture copious notes, right? That's one way to do it. it takes a little bit of time to sort of codify all of that. Uh, another way to do it is if you are going to do a survey, you ask, uh, probably a set of, I don't know, five to seven questions. No, don't make it overwhelming. Or five to seven or seven to 10 questions where you ask people, what are the top things that are most important to you when you're coming to a website? Okay, so the first layer is to find out what's important to them. And then the second layer is you're actually asking the same, uh, against the same factors, right? So speed, uh, um, uh, location of the button, the ability to contact. I'm just making this up, right? What mm -hmm. some of the things I might say. But then the second question is different, but you're asking them to rank it on the same components. Except this time, the question is, now how well is our website performing against those things? Mm. And so what you get there, you can kind of think of like a two by two grid, right? You know, uh, um, degree of importance uh, on one axis and uh, degree of, um, of performance. And so if you're performing really well in a particular area and it's really, it's high importance to them, then you should continue to do that and leverage it. Uh, 
If something is really important to your customers and you're not doing that well, that's an opportunity that you can go to work and going, going on and improving because it's really important to them. And of course, you know, if it's not important and you're not doing well, well, I guess you could fix it, but why bother, right? <laughs> and if it's right. not important and you're doing real, really well on it, that's awesome, but it's not going to move the needle forward. So there within lies sort of the key action points of like, focus on the things that are important to your visitors uh, and then going to work on that if you're not performing on it really well or amplify it and leverage it if you are performing really well in it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So really what you were just talking about is like a Pareto analysis on getting to the bottom yeah. line of what, what's, what's worth spending the time on because it matters to them and you're, doing, you're not doing well at it already. That's right. And then That's not right. wasting time on the stuff that doesn't matter to them and you're not doing well at, but it's not worth fixing because they don't care. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Like, see, see, that's some of the stuff that I teach in terms of how entrepreneurs can spend their time and like yeah. focus on the needle movers and ignore the shit that doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, you're talking about that here when it comes to branding. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Well, it, you know, it, it, I know that you, um, you, your book has come out. Like, tell us, tell me about, tell everybody, I don't want to spoil your thunder. <laughs> tell us the name of your book and what led you to that. I just love this. You guys are going to love this. <laughs> okay, cool. So now I know this is an audio, but you can also even just imagine if you actually see the book cover, it'll certainly grab your attention. At least it's designed to. Um, so the book is called Your Brand Should Be Gay. And then in parentheses, even if you're not. And the subtitle, it's The Art and Science of Creating an Authentic Brand. So I think it's worth saying it one more time. Your brand should be gay, even if you're not. And the art and science of creating an authentic brand. And so if you think about it, if you're hearing that, that title for the first time, if you really check in, there's probably a couple of emotional reactions you might have, uh, largely speaking, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Some people, remember earlier we were talking about how does a brand make people feel? Some people might be triggered by that. They might be offended by it. They might, uh, but they might be, um, you know, confused, or they might be. They might have a laugh. They might be tickled by it. <laughs> they might be uh, intrigued, uh, you know. And what I'm really pointing there is, I'm sort of demonstrating, even through the title of this book, the power of branding, particularly when a brand is both authentic and polarizing. See, every brand is intended. Do you remember at the top of the call, I said, well, brand should target a particular audience. Well, I will take that a bit further and saying really, really strong brands aim to, to attract uh, and engage raving fans and repel the ones who are the complete naysayers because they'll never say anything great about your brand. Mm -hmm. um, but knowing that you are polarizing as a brand, that's where the magic happens. When you're just a brand that's just nice and um, you're kind of in the middle, you know, there's a phrase that says that there's, there's no money in the middle. Now, it's not all about the money, but if we're talking about entrepreneurs and businesses, well, particularly those who want to have the vacation effect, <laughs> you want to have a brand that makes you money that you don't necessarily have to work so hard by appealing to all of the masses, but by appealing to the right people who are raving fans um, 
of, of your brand and, and ostensibly your products and services. So I wrote that book to sort of grab people's attention. Now, the secondary reason why I called it that, well, it just so happens to be that I'm a gay man. Even though the book is nothing, has nothing to do with being gay and it's everything to do with my own, um, the book is about authenticity. You know, it's, it's even my own way of, uh, of sort of coming out. And it's not that I was in, it's not that it was in the closet, Denise. It's just not something I really talk about because it isn't the most relevant thing. It's like one aspect of all of me. And so sometimes people even get confused if I'm gay or not. <laughs> so I'm like, well, if you didn't know, now you know. So this right. is but the real power. And this is sort of like a, a conversation I'm having with you and, and for those sort of listening in is here's the thing. That's how bold and courageous I am in who I am as a brand, as a personal brand, uh, that it doesn't matter if someone will be triggered. It doesn't matter if not everyone's going to love the name. And it doesn't impact me negatively because I know who I am. And that's what I want for everyone in their branding, but also in their own personal life is to be completely authentic as a person, as a brand, as a business, as an entrepreneur, as a whatever, be like you be your authentic self and you will piss off people, but you will find a lot of people who love you because they know exactly who they're getting and who they're not getting. And that's the real, there within lies the real power of, of branding and connecting with the right people. Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing that story about, you know, what led you to that and just, you know, taking a stand for yourself and, you know, that, that brand, it gets my attention. Um, you know, I just love what you did with that because you are, you're being authentic in who you are. It's also polarizing. Like you were saying, you're going to offend some people and you're going to make a lot of people like me, like, I can't wait to read your book because, <laughs> and I know it has nothing to do about being gay, but it's like, it's about, you, you got me with the, the title of the book. <laughs> How many times does a title of the book make you want to read it? Like, yeah. I want to know why my brand should be gay, even if I'm not, I'm not gay <laughs> I'm happily married to my, my husband for, you know, 25 years, but I want to know what makes a, a, a brand gay and why it's important that I do that with my branding. So you've got, <laughs> so good job there. But that, it's a great example though, of what we're talking about. What if we all could learn to do that? And I, I can be better at that myself, even though I've got experience in trademark law and things like that. It's different knowing the mechanics of the law than it is knowing the mechanics of what actually makes a brand sizzle. <laughs> and, that, you know, and that's what I like about what you're a master at. So thank you for giving a great example of that. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah. Just one, one quick thing I'll say, because uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm still tickled even just with your response. Mm -hmm. uh, Ironically, uh, I would say that probably 99% of the people who are buying the book are straight men and straight women. <laughs> so, you know, if you're wondering, should this, can you get benefit from the, this book? Absolutely. Um, but ironically, it, it's open to interpretation, right? I could have meant your brand should be happy, mm -hmm. right? But it, and that's, you know, remember earlier I said, you don't own your brand. It resides in people's minds. Like I just say something and I actually, the book covers pink. So it's a pink book, by the way, how many pink books do you see out there? So it's a, it's a <laughs> pink it. book, it has bold letters. And 
I just said something and people will have their own reaction mm -hmm. uh, and they'll make their own meaning to it. So that's sort of, I'm just having fun with it. And what, what's really the most fulfilling thing about it is the reviews and the comments and even like your reaction, like that just, that just warms my heart because it like it, it, people get it. They're like, Oh wow. I just, I really get it. And, 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 yeah, people are saying when they read the book, you're like, wow, it's actually a really great book. So I poured a lot of love into it. So it just prompted, you prompted me to say that because I loved your reaction. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, it's, it's a brand that sizzles, you know, it like really does. Yeah. And I don't see that very often. So I was just fascinated to like dig into what is it that, what is it that's happening there? And I just really, you did a beautiful job during this episode of articulating, you know, what it is that made that. And it was the it wasn't just the visual, the look of it that you were describing or the, um, the verbal, what you said, it's the experiential of how it made, made me feel. And you explained why, you know, that was the case and how you talked about perception. So I just, you just did a beautiful job of you know, taking an old <laughs> trademark you. lawyer like me and <laughs> helping me learn something new about how to look at branding differently. So I wanted to thank you for that. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Now you got to tell us all, where do we get a copy of this book? You know, I'm going to, I know you're going to send me one, but everybody else on here doesn't have you sending them one. So where, where can they go to, if they want to check it out? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's um, the most, the simplest way is just to go to your uh, your brand should be gay.com. And um, you have all the different options. If you want to get it on Amazon, and it'll take you directly to that link there or Barnes and Noble, or if you're international, there might be some places. So whatever is going to be the most uh, effective, but yeah, your, your brand should be gay.com. That's cool. Well, and if people want to know more, I know you mentioned you also had a free resource on your website. Um, can you tell us more about your website and what that resource page is that, that people might want to check out as well? Sure. So if you're if you're not quite sure yet, you want to order the book and you want some sort of free resources, I do run a, a brand transformation agency called Branding for the People. And um, if you just go to brandingforthepeople.com forward slash resources, that's with an S. Um, we have uh, some of our top four resources that all of our clients come to us and, and ask for. You know, there's like a the blueprint on branding. There is like how to name, you know, we talked about naming earlier, mm -hmm. a naming guide. So check it out. Right now we have uh, some of our top four. We'll probably continue to add more. But yeah, those are completely free and packed with a lot of great value. And, you know, if you're going to if you're going to go um, go there and download it, like actually open it up and read through it because there's some really good wisdom in there that you can apply into your business. Well, I'm looking forward to checking those out as well. And is there any last thought, a question I should have asked you or any last lifestyle or time hack that you want to share um, before we wrap up the conversation? Any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, well, two things. You know, I know we're talking about branding. The, there's the big difference between building a business and building a brand is like when you're building a business, yeah, it's a lot of work. But I love your message of the vacation effect because it is your when you build a brand your brand does the work for you even while you're on vacation even when you're not working because your perception lives out there in the marketplace so there is a value in creating a brand because it will continue to to pay out dividends over time um so uh in terms of a a, a time hack i would say i like to listen to music and i don't know um, someone told me once that you can easily, we get distracted every minute or so, or every minute or two 
but and it takes us seven or uh, eight minutes to regain focus. And so I like to um, to be the most productive by using Brain.fm. Uh, I met the the guy where in a in the same entrepreneur group who founded that, and using sort of all rooted in science and psychology keeps you focused. So you put on brain.fm, you could put on this focus feature. They have one for like sleep and so forth, but you put on this focus, there's many different options and you just find yourself literally, if you want to block out 90 minutes or two hours and be hyper-focused, put that on preferably with headphones and you will just be amazed at how much you can get done and sort of eliminate all those distractions that we typically get um, when not using it. Cool. I'll have to check that out. I've always got different you know, things like that, that I'm testing. And that's not one I've used yet. So thank you so much for that recommendation. Well, Ree, it's been so much fun getting to know you more. Thank you for being a willing guest on the show and sharing so many great nuggets of information. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thank you. And remember everyone, freedom is a mindset, not a destination. Until next time. Thanks so much for listening. For more information about The Vacation Effect or for details on today's show, head over to our website at vacationeffect.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.